You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. Welcome to this BJSM podcast where it's a great privilege to be with Professor Antonio Pelliccia and he's the scientific director of the Institute of Sports Medicine and Science in Rome and he's well known in the field of sports cardiology, an absolute legend in the field and the opening keynote speaker at the World Congress in Injury and Illness Prevention in Monaco in 2011. Professor Pelliccia, it's great to have you here in Aspatar where you're part of the Scientific Advisory Committee. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you very much. And thanks for doing the Italian language podcast, which our listeners can find on the website as well. So we want to focus for clinicians and help them manage patients. And so what are the key issues that sports physicians with an interest in cardiology need to be aware of right now? Uh, Okay. You know that in the last years, there have been contrasting opinions regarding implementation of the electrocardiogram in the screening. And there are several reasons because this electrocardiogram has been considered a possible tricking tool. One of these reasons was the correct interpretation of the electrocardiogram in the athletes, based on the, obviously, recognition that the electrocardiogram in athletes can be changed just because they are athletes, as effect of the physical exercise and the regular training. And uh, there is also the consideration that in certain cardiomyopathies, including hypertrophic cardiomyopathies, the electrocardiogram can be only mildly changed. So it's obvious that there will be an overlap between certain pathologic conditions that are potentially at risk of sudden death, such as arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathies. And these changes that are considered to be benign expression of the athletic heart. So, in this field, I think that scientific societies, not only European Society of Cardiology, but also some US association and the sports association, such as FIFA, did a very nice job. In the British Journal of Sports Medicine, just recently, were published three papers describing the criteria for considering normal the electrocardiogram or what are the abnormalities of the electrocardiogram in athletes that should rise consideration and particular care on behalf of the team physicians. So I consider this a great achievement because preliminary data show that even non-cardiologists may truly improve their expertise in correctly interpreting the electrocardiogram based on this consideration, based on these examples. For instance, just I'm not going into details for all the issues, but I just want to mention what are one of the most vexing questions. For instance, the inverted T-wave or abnormal repolarization patterns. For a long time, the abnormal repolarization pattern, namely inverted T waves, has been considered possibly as a part of the athletic heart syndrome, based on the observation that these changes were much more marked in athletes during period of peak training, and they were almost disappearing in the same individuals during period of detraining. So it's quite obvious consideration that the influence of the autonomic nervous system changes can have an impact. However, 
Our data and the data accumulated in the last year suggest that these electrocardiographic changes, particularly if T waves are diffusely present in the lateral, anterior and inferior leads, should be viewed with a great caution because they may represent the first unique abnormalities in individuals that are going to develop in years later the evidence of cardiomyopathy, including hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So at this time, the correct interpretation of the inverted T wave, diffusely inverted T wave, is that they represent a marker of possible incipient hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or other arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy. Less evidence is, for instance, for the inverted T wave just limited in anterior leads from V1 to V3 in Black or African Caribbean population. Because in these individuals, this uh, pattern may be so common and usually non-associated with any morphological changes that suggest there could be a possible ethnic variant. However, some measure of caution is also needed in these cases because we don't have long-term follow-up data. Another point that uh, should be addressed very shortly is the J-wave the presence of J-Wave, that uh, since in, uh, 2008 from the famous Sager paper on the New England Journal of Medicine raised concern and attention on behalf of the clinicians, particularly cardiologists, as a possible marker of uh, proclivity to the ventricular fibrillation in the absence of evident cardiovascular disease, structural cardiovascular disease. So there is, at the moment, there is uncertainty regarding the correct management of athletes, apparently normal athletes, asymptomatic, that shows not uncommonly the G-wave pattern in precordial leads. What to do? To be honest, at this time, we don't have prospective data, and so we cannot advise correctly. This is the reason because now we are collecting information from our larger population of the athletes, where prevalence of this pattern is about 15%, so it's not trivial. And although we don't have final data, our preliminary observations suggest that there are no events in the five-year period of follow-up. So I, I think that we will keep going in collecting data and in a couple of years will be reassuring the physicians that this pattern in atlas possibly may have a different clinical significance than in patients. Now, BJSM listeners like to be at the front of the field and they like to have a little sneak preview of what's coming, what things should they keep an eye out for from your perspective? I think that there are also very interesting information arising from the other uh, side of the world. So I refer in particular with uh, the debated issues of the people that are genetically positive, phenotypically negative for certain cardiac diseases such as Nocuity syndrome or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. There is a debate because the European recommendations suggest that in the absence of data, the prudence is needed. And this, is, this is based according to the, let's say, Italian legislation, where the legislators don't care 
about uh, evidence. The legislation care about the prudence. A uh, different attitude is on behalf of our US colleagues where the advice is based on evidence. So, preliminary evidence now is rising that a certain subset of this population, particularly individuals <coughs> that with a long QT syndrome that are only genetically positive but phenotypically negative, in other terms, with a completely normal long QT interval on the electrocardiogram, may have a complete normal lifestyle, including participation in sports, for a period of five years. If this preliminary data will be confirmed by additional observation, and the same will be true for individuals with uh, genetically affected for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So if this preliminary data will be reassured, confirmed, so I think that the guidelines will be much more open even for those individuals, even in Europe, because there will be the chance to make the guidelines and recommendations regarding eligibility for sports not only based on merely diagnosis, but more on the risk stratification for the disease. And this will be, will result in, uh, let's say, more personalized advices, more than generic, such as in this uh, particular moment. So I think that's the future. Thank you very much. We'll leave it there. It's great to have your expertise on one of the BJSM podcasts. It's a real privilege for us to uh, be able to share that with BJSM readers. Thanks for your personal contribution to the literature across many journals. And we look forward to working with you at the journal and on future podcasts, Professor Pelliccia. Thank you very much for the opportunity. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.